0: Imagine living in a world where the most powerful person on earth is your ruler and is seen as a god. A world where you are expected to honor and praise this divine emperor who holds your fate in his hands. A world where loyalty to the state is inseparable from loyalty to the faith. This was the reality for millions of people in the Roman Empire who practiced emperor worship as a way of expressing their political and religious allegiance. But how did this phenomenon emerge? What did it mean for the people who practiced it? What did it mean for our forefathers of the Christian faith? And how do we process that in our view of the world today? My name is Jared Luchabor, a graduate of Mid-America Reformed Seminary and a lover of church history. Join me as we explore the fascinating history of emperor worship and the ancient practices of the Roman imperial cult. Join me as we discover how emperors became gods in this episode of The Church History Project. It was a time of glory and power when Rome ruled the world with an iron fist. But it was also a time of fear and awe when Rome bowed to one man alone, the emperor. He was more than a man. In their eyes, he was a god among men, and his will was law. The Hellenistic impact on the Roman Empire's worship of the emperor was profound and lasting. It was a legacy of the conquests of Alexander the Great who had spread Greek culture and religion across the East and West. His successors, the kings of Syria, Egypt, and Macedon claimed divine status and demanded reverence from their subjects. They modeled themselves on Oriental kingship traditions where the ruler was seen as the embodiment of a god or a son of a god. The Romans who had been encroaching on the Greek world since the third century BC adopted some aspects of this Hellenistic ideology of divine kingship. They established a cult of the emperor, first in the provinces and practiced it throughout the empire, but not in Italy where worship was reserved for the traditional gods. The emperor was honored as a benefactor, a protector and a savior of his people. However, worship in the eastern half of the empire differed from that in the west. In the eastern provinces, where the influence of Greece and Asia had mingled for centuries, creating a rich and diverse civilization, the emperor was seen as something more than a mere mortal. In their eyes, he was a living god, a manifestation of the divine on earth, a source of grace and salvation for his subjects. His image was worshipped in temples and shrines, his name was invoked in prayers and hymns and his power was feared and adored. He did not need to wait for death to ascend to heaven. In the eyes of the east, he already dwelled among the gods while ruling over men." Unlike their eastern counterparts, who openly and brazenly adored the living image of their sovereign, the subjects of the western provinces practiced a more subtle and veiled form of the imperial cult. They did not bow down before the flesh and blood of the Emperor, nor did they offer sacrifices to his mortal name. Rather, they directed their reverence and devotion to the mysterious and transcendent force that animated and protected him, what scholars have called the genius of the Emperor. This was the divine essence that bestowed upon him his authority and charisma, his wisdom and power, his fortune and glory. It was the genius of the emperor that they invoked in their prayers and honored in their temples, hoping to gain his favor and blessing. But even these emperors were mortal. When their time came, they left behind a legacy that would endure for centuries. Some of them were so revered and beloved by the senate, the assembly of the noblest and wisest Romans, that they bestowed upon them the highest honor imaginable. They declared them after death to be gods. And so it was in the imperial cultus that these divine emperors ascended to the heavens where they joined the pantheon of the immortal deities. From then on, their names and images were worshipped and invoked by countless devotees who sought their favor and protection in every aspect of life. Across the vast expanse of the empire, from the shores of the Atlantic to the banks of the Euphrates, prayers were offered to them. Among these godlike rulers, none was more illustrious than Caesar Augustus, the first emperor and the bringer of peace and prosperity. Upon his death, he received this divine recognition from the senate, and his cult spread throughout the east and west. As Christians, we are followers of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who died for our sins, rose from the dead, and ascended into heaven, where he sits at the right hand of the Father. We worship him as our Lord and Savior, and we obey his commands to love God and our neighbor. We do not worship any other god or idols, nor do we honor any human being as divine. We're called to reject the kind of emperor-worship imposed by the Roman authorities in ages past, for it is a violation of God's law and a distortion of his gospel. We do not fear the threats or the punishments of the so-called empires of our day, for we know that God is with us, and he is faithful to his people. We do not seek to rebel or to overthrow the government for we respect the authorities that God has established and we pray for their salvation. But we cannot compromise our allegiance to Christ, nor can we deny his name before anyone. We are ready to suffer and to die for him, for that is his will. My appeal to you if you are listening today is to hear the gospel of Christ and to turn from idols. Do not be deceived by the lies and the propaganda of the Empire of Darkness, which seeks to grant a divine status to pagan leaders, and that they alone can bring peace. They are but mortal men who will face God's judgment along with all who worship them. There is only one true God. He sent His Son into the world to save us from our sins and to give us eternal life. He invites you to repent and to believe in Him and to join his family of faith. He offers you forgiveness, grace, and hope, which no emperor can give. We may be small in this world, but we have the creator of the universe as our Lord, and we trust in his victory over the powers of this earth. So let the emperors rage and their armies march, for we stand firm in our faith, knowing that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Besides the pantheon of gods and the worship of the emperor, we have the mystery cults. Tune in next time to learn more. If you have any questions or comments, I'd love to hear from you. Feel free to reach out through social media platforms or through email, which you can find in the show notes. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. And if you enjoyed today's discussion, consider leaving a review. I'm Jared Luchibor. This has been an episode of the Church History Project.